this land if they live righteously. It's time for another episode of the Cultural Hall. I know that I promised that we would have temple ticker episodes aside from news episodes, but when you have so many things happening and uh, the way that I formulated it with going alternate interviews to news, it would, it's just too much. So this episode, we will do the temple ticker here at the front, and then the back end will be so much news, you'll be like, man, couldn't they have just done two episodes? And the answer is yes, we could have, we just didn't. Corey K. Ward, the Pharaoh himself, here to help me out with the temple ticker. And by that, I mean, I basically just ask you questions about the just volumes of knowledge that you know about the temple. Thank you for being here, sir. Hey, glad to do it. Now, we were just talking uh, before we started recording. Look forward to in the future, uh, because the Culture Hall uh, available on YouTube, a clearer, more 4K Corey K. Ward. That's what the K in Corey K. Ward stands for. 4K. There will be... I was going to say KKKK, but then I decided that probably doesn't sound the way that we wanted to. Let's move on. <laughs> Temples from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It, it, it seems like we are doing so much all of the time, and there is no end in sight. Take me to Haru. Yeah. On January 14th, um, the Lima Los Olivos Peru Temple was dedicated. Um, it's the 187th Temple of the Church. Um, the dedication was presided by D. Tucker Sofferson. Um, yeah. Now, D. Todd, he speaks Spanish. Is that what I understand? Is fluent in he, Spanish? He's pretty fluent in Spanish. Um, if you ever flip your general conference to Spanish, you'll hear that he records his talk in Spanish and then dubs it over his when he's speaking. But so, but yeah, no he, like mission connection to Peru because I want to say that he served in Argentina. Served in, yeah, we'll talk about that later. Oh okay. Oh oh oh. All right. All right. So he <laughs> dedicated the Peru Temple, which is significant for a couple of reasons. Um. Yeah. So um, it is the fourth temple in Peru, but it's also the second temple in Lima. And in the past, I don't know, a few decades, the church in Lima has. Has really grown. Um, now it's the city outside of Utah with the most stakes, and so naturally it's also the uh, first city outside of Utah to have two temples within its city limits. And the two in Utah are what? Uh, South Jordan and Ochre Hills, probably so, or Ochre Mountain. Yeah, South Jordan, okay. um, the Jordan River, and Ochre Mountain, and then Provo, which is Provo. Oh, Provo yeah. Okay. So and technically, Orem. Orem is yeah, you could if you could cut you could probably call it the third temple of Pro if you wanted to. <laughs> yeah, because it, it literally is like, and for people who don't know, it's like, all right, this is Prover right here, and then a small child could throw a one of those wiffle ball uh to the Orem temple from a Provo city line and be able to hit that. So don't, don't, you'll get arrested, small child. Don't do that, but that's how close those are. Okay, so Provo and uh, South Jordan are the other two of those. Well, congratulations, Peru, Elder Christofferson down there. And then speaking of Orem and Elder Christofferson, he decided that he would, what, double dip and go again? How come he's doing that one? Um, You know, I don't know. I think he's, if I'm not mistaken, he's born in Utah Valley. So there's at least some connection to that. Um, but it is strange that um, just two weeks in a row, um, he also dedicated another temple. And it was also strange because when they announced the dedication of the Orm Temple, they didn't announce who would be doing it until just recently. So they kept it. I'm sure the 
first person they probably kept it open just in case you know someone else wanted to do it i don't know do you think um, they do that i mean obviously there are some that are like it's obviously going to be elder holland who does the saint george uh you know rededication there are some very obvious ones and then is it the rest like we see in an elders core meeting where it's like all right, temple needs to be dedicated and everyone's kind of looking down at their phones <laughs> and they're like, guys, we're still looking for a sign up on this. Who wants to go to Peru? And then, you know, the one guy who can't stand the awkward silence goes, all right, all right, I'll go to Peru. I guess I'll do that. They, they, I wouldn't imagine that they buy for them. I would imagine that they say that it, they're assigned. All right, you. Yeah, I just, I just think it's not made public um, hmm. immediately sometimes. With the case of Elder Holland, it wasn't made public for a long time because he was obviously in grave health conditions. Um, when President Nelson dedicated Washington, D.C., it wasn't announced for a while. Um, I think that was just to keep it open just in case something came up and he couldn't do it. Because we did see um, a few years back, there the, the other temple in Peru, Arequipa, President Nelson had intentions to go and... He was he was he assigned himself, I guess, to go dedicate the temple. And the last minute, he got sick, and Elder Suarez ended up going down. So I think with these older members of the twelve, um, I think that they try and keep keep it more secret because mm -hmm. they just don't know if a health scare is going to come up. Sure. So sure. So maybe Orem was supposed to be Elder Ballard, maybe, and, and then it didn't. Or maybe President Nelson, or I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also interesting to note, uh, and this will come up later in the news, but uh, Elder Kieran was with Elder Christofferson at the Orem Temple dedication. And and as I understand it, and the Deseret News sort of paints it out, and again, we'll talk more into this, but it was almost like Elder Christofferson saying, all right, come along, Elder Kieran, let me show you how we do these temple dedications. Quite literally, like that's, it seemed like a a, a senior companion, junior companion, let me show you how we do this sort of temple dedication experience. Yeah, I definitely think that was uh, something that was probably happening. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Although you see a lot of times you see a junior apostle accompany a more senior one. But um, yeah, uh, if we look at um, who the Orem Temple is serving, there was 20 stakes that were assigned the temple district. So basically if you live in Vineyard or the west side of Orem or even the northwest part of Provo, um, your stake was assigned, but um, because only one month away the Provo Temple will be closing, there'll be many more stakes that will be temporarily assigned to this temple district that will use it while the Provo Temple is being rebuilt. Sort of an odd thing, uh, Taylorsville Temple, um, and I'm sure we'll get to that in a minute, but that's the district that I'm in or should be in because it's less than two miles from my house, but because mm -hmm. Salt Lake is closed... And so many people from the Salt Lake Temple are assigned south. So they'll be assigned to the Taylorsville Temple. So everyone in my neighborhood in Taylorsville is assigned to the Jordan River Temple. And everyone's like, what? Why are we? What? Why aren't? Why can't we go to the one that's right there as opposed to the one that's miles away? And of course, once everything opens back up, it'll be reassigned accordingly. But it, it's been funny to see some of the word chatter where it's like, okay, so we haven't had one for nearly 200 years of the church, and now we have one, and I'm not allowed to go to that one. You, of course, <laughs> go to the one that isn't your district, but it's just, it's funny to see people's reaction going, the Taylorsville, my address is Taylorsville. I'm going to the Jordan River. Okay. All right. All right. Hey, well, that's interesting, Richie. I didn't yeah. know. That was the case. Um, I guess, uh, speaking about Taylorsville, they recently announced the dedication. 
um, of the temple. He'll be dedicated on June 2nd. And uh, Elder Garrett Gong will do that. He also did the groundbreaking. So mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken, he has a connection to Taylorville. He lived there for a while. Is that right? Oh, interesting. I don't think I knew that. <laughs> I either think he lived there after he moved to Utah or maybe he was, I can't remember. But um, yeah, and then the open house will be April 13th through May 18th. So just about five weeks of an open house. Like and night. so will that be temple number one? Do we know? What um, number will yeah, be? Yeah, so let's see. Red Cliffs, 189. Philippines, 190. Pueblo, 191. And then Taylorsville, uh, 192. Okay. Okay. All right. I was pushing for us to be 200, and everybody in my ward was like, don't make us wait that long. And I said, doesn't matter. <laughs> We're not assigned to that district anyway. We're still going to River. I'm a rabble rouser, as it were. Okay. I like that. June 2nd, that means no church. means Fast Sunday will be pushed. The uh, first Sunday of June for me, um, and then uh, and then just temples just keep rolling out as far as the summer goes. Yeah, I tend to get in all the temple dedications before the summer break. Um, the Koban Guatemala Temple um, it will be dedicated on June 9th, and Dale Renland will be there, um, and then they'll have an open house for that um, April 25th to May 11th. This will be the third temple in Guatemala, and then. Um, Salta, Argentina. So um, the meditation on June 16th, and that will be also D. Todd Christopherson. Um, and this is the area where he served his mission. Um, back then, it was only the, I think, the North Mission and the South Mission in Argentina. So I don't know if he actually served in Salta or not, but he definitely served in that region. And the mission president, do you know how that was, Yurchi? Do I know who the mission president was? Yeah. Uh, uh, Joseph Smith. <laughs> Brigham Young. Uh, <laughs> it was D, yeah, Richard D. Scott was the oh mission cool president oh I don't know that and one D. Tucker Stafferson was the missionaries. but I was an assistant to the president you can be sure <laughs> I don't sure. know that I don't actually I know. know but probably probably right you, you never know yeah I'd love the story of the rebellious elder underneath one of the uh, elders of the quorum of the 12 and then ends up coming back through and then being like, I knew Elder Christofferson when he was driving a car through farmland and, you know, chasing down the wild turkeys or whatever. That's something that happened in my mission. But, uh, you know, some sort of just wild hair that the missionary had and then, you know, cor course corrected and then came back and all the things. I'd love to hear that. I won't. They don't do that. Our church, we don't <laughs> talk about past transgressions, but I would love it. Yeah, they'll have an open house uh, May 3rd to the 18th. And this will be also the third temple in Argentina. And one of the last to have a gold angel or an eye. Oh, really? Yeah. I now think seen, this was, it was the, the last, oh, sorry, it was the last rendering to be revealed to have a gold angel or an eye. Um, but I think the late in temple a week later will be the officially the last gold angel moroni to be dedicated and you've and seen said, have you seen in pictures that there is a, a gold moroni on the temple yeah mm -hmm. okay okay all right do you think I we're going to talk about it then the moroni will get laid to rest on top of the latent temple and we'll say <laughs> guys we're going to finally talk about the elephant in the room that we're not doing this anymore uh well we still have that pooter angel moroni there oh, yeah. in in Ivory Coast, so maybe we'll have to wait a little bit longer. Okay, well, but we can wait. We can wait. That will be the last. And that, any idea when that's supposed to happen? 
Um, probably later on in the year. Late 24. Okay. I'll It's take a candidate it. for being number one, number 200. So. Oh, see, now there you go. It's, it's <laughs> pewter. So it's a different color. It's 200. It's the last one. Yes. Okay. There it is. There you go. That's what, <laughs> that's what they're holding out on guys. No more. We get, and we're celebrating 200. We salute you Moroni, but we don't praise you because that's not the way that we do that, but we salute you. And thank you for your service, Moroni. I'll, I'll, okay. I'm hoping that that's the case and that everyone listening to this can go. They called it. They called it. Uh, what else then? Uh, temple sites released? Yeah, um, the temple site um, for the Cuernavaca, Mexico temple was announced. Um, it's a, about a five-acre site. Um, they're in the center of Cuernavaca in the um, Colonia Vista Hermosa. Um, last year, I visited Cuernavaca briefly. Um, we just stopped in the city center to look at the cathedral. It's one of the oldest cathedrals in Mexico. Um, so it's cool. not too far away um, from the where the temple site is. Um, it's located in a pretty, you know, ritzy neighborhood with some big houses. And it's located right across the street from a Walmart. There you There's go. Also a, a Kia dealership. Um, a Cinemex uh, movie theater. And then there's also a Sears department store. Um, if you didn't know those still exist, there are actually more Sears in Mexico than there are in the United States. Hmm. So you drop your kids at the, essentially the mall, the Walmart, the movie theater, get them to go buy a car, <laughs> and then you go do a session. I love this. A session. Um, the temple site is, looks like a large mansion um, from the aerial. Um, it has like a pool and everything. Um, and then it's, it's, it's surrounded by this huge wall, so you can't see inside at all. Um, and then there's this weird cage-like structure. Okay. Kind of. It looks like this large, um, like, cement building that, um, I don't know, has, like, uh, some weird, um, I don't know how to describe it, some weird architecture. But it looks like a cage, basically. Um, and when I was, I went back and visited one of my areas on my mission, and there was kind of a, a, a building like this that... Um, was just like recently built in the area and I asked someone about it and they're like that's where the narcos are that was a narco house so I don't know if this is also a drug related that's awesome we house. bought a drug compound <laughs> <and put> a <laughs> temple. that's we're, not confirmed but we're even it, getting the, the land like. to repent yeah no this looks unreal <laughs> it, it's it's sort of reminiscent this is mild uh, mildly reminiscent of like the wall that used to exist around Temple Square in downtown Salt Lake, a very thick kind of tall wall that you can't see over, but it looks to be, you know, made of like cobblestone and, and taller than the uh, oh, yeah. Temple Square wall. That's wild. So I'm, I'm curious to see if they tear down this wall and put a nice fence so that you can see through the temple, or if you just keep the wall there, it's, it looks historic. Maybe. I don't know. I hope that they get the president of Mexico to come and say, President Nelson, tear down that wall. <laughs> and then everyone gets up and starts chipping away at it. And we have an all night party. Yes, everyone. That's a dated reference. But thank you, everyone, for following me along with that. OK, so uh, Mexico, they get another temple. That's awesome. Uh, La Paz, or as I like to say, the Paz. That's <laughs> right. The peace. Um, oh, is that what that La means? <laughs> it does. It is what that means. Um, La, La Paz Bolivia Temple, they had already um, announced where the site was going to be a few months ago, but they released the rendering to show what it will look like. 
Um, it's going to kind of be like a large um, rectangular temple, kind of like a granite color with some gold accents. They have a nice gold cupola on the top. Um, it's a very Spanish colonial design, very ornate. Um, just everything on the um, temple looks very, um, there's a lot of symbols and everything and uh, ornate motifs and all that. Um, it looks a lot like um, the Grand Rapids Michigan Temple, except um, the Grand Rapids Temple is a lot more uh, clean lines and everything modern. This one is very um, Spanish colonial. Very cool. Now, we talked about this before, but uh, in uh, Manhattan, there's obviously some work on the temple there. And then I can't remember if it was in our last time that we chatted and we speculated about this or if it was in an articles of news where we said, yeah, the church is renting some land. Talk to me about what's going on in New York as far as the temple and where wards will meet. Yeah, originally a um, in local news, um, the villager in New York broke this. Um, they said that the Church of Christ is um, leasing a... Um, old historic church. It's like one of these Dutch um, churches that come from, I think the 1600s, they said. Um, and they said that on Sundays, Church of Christ of Latter-day Saints will use it, um, use the the gym and the, the, the I think they call the chapel, the sanctuary. Um, and they'll have some offices there. And then like Friday, Saturday, the other church will use it. Um, and then later the Desert News did write a story about this and they confirmed with the stake president that it was for the purpose of um, housing the at least two congregations um, that currently meet in the chapel that's in the Manhattan York Temple structure. Um, I don't know. There's actually another YSA ward that meets in the, the temple, and they don't. They only said those two will go to this church. So who knows where that other ward will go? Um, I know there's yeah, can... another ward. When I was in uh, Manhattan one time, and I went to a ward, it was not in the temple. It was in a different building. And uh, the uh, American Sign Language ward was the ward I attended and quickly found oh, out nice. that I was not going to be able to understand any of the meeting. But, I mean, I would imagine they could probably do a second meeting there. Or who knows? That was a decade or so ago. There's probably been another piece of land appropriated or leased or rented for people. Yeah. To um, actually, yeah, the churches in Manhattan are actually, like, pretty full, I would say. They're not, like... They're not like these buildings only have one ward. They actually have several wards in them. Mm. Um, so it's probably a little bit harder to find a place to shovel these wards to. So the church looked for a place in the vicinity of the temple that um, they could use. And evidently they found what they needed. Um, I did listen to, I don't think it's come out yet, but I listened to a sneak peek of an interview that someone did with this pastor. And he talked about his... Um, experience about um, talking to the church facilities people and everything um well wait I don't know. Tell, me, tell me how you got to hear something that hasn't even been released <laughs> yet come on i have to promote another podcast if i did that <laughs> i'll i'll allow it what is it um okay it was uh john delin's news podcast and okay one of the um i think the mormonish news uh podcaster lady she talked to she talked to the pastor and um about how the i think she's going to release the interview later um but she just said that yeah they i think he even went to church headquarters to talk to them and he was very impressed and everything hmm. um he the church the there the west end collegiate church it's a very i would say politically progressive church um hmm. all along the church they have um black lives matter signs they have pride flags they have 
signings about um, protecting abortion. Um, so it, it will be very interesting to see if once the church moves into that building, if there's some sort of agreement to not have those messages or if they're just like, fine, we'll have them. It's your property. We're just leasing it from you. Um, I'm sure there'll be some people, um, especially the people that were upset about the new church spokesman, um, maybe also being upset about this. I don't know. Well, to see but, how this goes. Yeah, and it, maybe it's just in sort of my mind and and maybe doesn't bear out, but I would think that members of the church in Manhattan would be more progressive and maybe more liberal than somewhere else. Or no, the, I would agree. Yeah. Or that they're surrounded by things like that anyway that they maybe don't even think about it, right? Like, ah, I'm going into this building. Okay. Yeah, you I know. think that's very likely. Yeah. Yeah. What I think is going to be fascinating is if you look at the pictures and if you click on the links in the show notes uh, to be able to see this, it's such a gorgeous sanctuary that I think the idea of then having to go back to, and we never claim to have the most ornate or like fanciful, um, you know, chapels to, to go from this particular church to go back to our church. It'll kind of be like, oh, okay. I agree, but they are having a renovation that's you know, multi-millions of dollars. Maybe they'll make that chapel in the Manhattan Temple a lot more interesting. Yeah, we both know they won't, but I. But maybe they will. <laughs> maybe they will. That that would be an interesting thing if they did. All right, let's see. Uh, oh, the Phnom Penh. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Is that going to pronounce Phnom Penh? No, Phnom. If you're going to do the song, you have to do Phnom. Phnom, <laughs> Phnom okay. Do, 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 do. Yeah, Elder Renland was recently in Cambodia. He um he met with the prime minister. He went and visited the killing fields, and then he went to the temple, and he just he talked about the, the contrast of, you know, being at a somber place like the killing fields, um, but then going to the temple and having a lot more hope about the future. Um yeah, so it's the the construction is progressing. They're starting to put up the exterior uh, stone on the temple, and yeah, probably another year. Half or so, maybe two years, so it'll be ready for the Uh Coming up in the news, we'll talk a little bit about another structure that the church built there in Phnom Penh, which I think is significant, especially for critics of the church saying, why doesn't the church ever with their money this? So know that we'll get to that in articles of news coming up. And if you haven't seen that, that's a little teaser for you, uh, Corey K. Ward, to listen to this. Yeah, I haven't heard about that. Yeah. Uh, the Salt Lake Temple, I think your show notes are incorrect. You have that the Main Street Plaza will close from 6.30 a.m. to 11.30 p.m., which would mean we could only be on the Main Street <laughs> Plaza overnight. I think it's uh, converse there. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, it's a minor controversy, especially if you live in Salt Lake or the downtown. Um, you know that when a church negotiated the purchasing of Main Street in front of Salt Lake Temple. Um, there was a, I don't know, do you think it was a soft agreement that the church would just keep it open so that people could continue to walk that area um, in between? Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I feel like it was a soft agreement, but I also feel like both the city and residents of the city knew that the church had appropriated the land, right? And you'd seen various things go on. Uh, we talked about this, I think it may be last week's articles of news where, if you remember, 15 years ago, there was um, a gay couple that was there sort of in the evening time kissing by the fountain or something like that. And church security sort of ran them off. And then it was a big deal and, you know, all sorts of publicity and stuff like that. You sort of always knew that though it was open and once upon a time it was part of the main street and, and all that stuff, you sort of knew that the church ran it 
it's odd to me, I think, to to close it, but I understand why they would want to. And they own it, whether or not you like that they own it, they own it. And I don't keep my doors unlocked and open all night. And that's <laughs> well, my I know property that, and my choice. I know that there was two gates around the other parts of Temple. So you could basically um, wall off Main Street from the rest of Temple Square in the mm -hmm. past. So maybe something changed and maybe that's not the design anymore. So, Oh, yeah. No, um, 100% it isn't. There is not a wall on the, mm -hmm. on the uh, east side of Temple Square into Main Street. That wall is gone. Okay, I guess that makes sense then, because then you could access the rest of Temple Square. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure it'd be annoying for people that I don't know, like to walk their dogs in the morning or have to get to work. They like to walk to work and they have to, because I, I walk around Salt Lake all the time. And when I have to walk a whole city block that way, it like takes a huge um, part of my time to do that. So, Sure, sure. Although I will say this, and, uh, you know, maybe it's something that they'll change as the landscape of Salt Lake City has changed. There are parts of downtown Salt Lake that are not that favorable. And like I was on main, just on main street, but a little bit South of the temple the other day. And, you know, I recognize it to be a national problem, uh, homelessness and, and all of that. Certainly, you know, I do the very little part that I can to be able to help with stuff like that, but it's bad. It It's, it's, it is almost impassable at certain times of the night uh, safety-wise and otherwise for uh, folks in downtown Salt Lake. And so, I mean, if you don't want people coming and setting a tent up in the middle of the night or finding a bench and all that stuff, it 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 seems sort of counter to maybe some Christian principles, but also like safety, some of the other uh, concerns that people would have. I mean, I get why they would lock it up. Okay. Yeah, I guess. That's how I feel. That's how I feel in this moment. I'm welcoming contact at theculturalhall.com. All of those comments that say, how dare you? Uh, let's get to some lawsuits. Yes, we can't just build temples. Come on, lawsuits. Yeah, uh, there's just some brief updates about the Cody Wyoming Temple. Um, the judge is hearing an argument whether to stay the um, construction, because I think right now the church has, is in its right to start construction of the temple. So the um, plaintiffs in the uh, lawsuit are just asking to basically say, hey, until we like sort this all out, don't allow them to construct anything. So we'll see what the judge decides on there. Yeah, which, when, you know, I, 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 to me, I feel like you don't until it gets all sorted out, <laughs> right? Because then you have more problems, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. then it's like, well, uh, look, we already started, but you got to <laughs> let us finish. I, I don't know. That That's um, Cody, but I was surprised to see in the news that uh, the Heber Temple is back in the news. Yeah. Well, basically, there was already a lawsuit against the county, um, but now the church is basically joining that lawsuit because um, the decision of that lawsuit will affect their property. And so they're just doing it to basically say, hey, we also have a, a stake in this, so we won't be able to make our own arguments as well. So, yeah, and, they're joining the county in um, the defense of that lawsuit. And there is a referendum. They have to have a certain amount of signatures to get something on the ballot. And as we record it, that's today. The deadline is by midnight right. tonight. So we'll find out if that'll actually be a balloted thing for the community of Heber to see if if that building will continue or if it will continue to be, hold on, somewhere else. Otherwise, you know, place it somewhere else. You know where they should put it now that I think about it. Uh, what What is the, 
was it a tribute to the the Book of Mormon prophets that's going up in Heber that museum? Is that what it oh, is? Oh yeah, Remember I heard about, about that. that? It's uh, <laughs> I, we haven't done the story about it like I would have liked, but there's like um, it's a fairly conservative organization that's like we're building large statues to our heroes somewhere in the Heber Valley. I say you put the temple right next to that. Just <laughs> you know, you walk through the gardens of the the Book of Mormon heroes, and then you go right to the temple. Okay, they donate the property. It'd be free property. Maybe. See, see. <laughs> uh, and then uh, we got some open houses. Yeah, they're coming up. Uh, Red Cliffs, Utah. I think next Monday they'll have the media and everything. Um, and yeah, they'll be they'll be I think February first through the beginning of March. Um, and then Menta, Utah is coming up as well. Um, that'll be March fourteenth to April fifth, and so probably a lot of people were having spring break around that time. And it's only gonna be three weeks. And so um, I did hear that there's probably a lot of demand. And so, although I've never, I've probably been to, you know, five or six open houses in the last 10 years. And I've never been asked for a reservation. And so um, it's always just, you know, you're here. Yay. Welcome, come on in. Um, but I've heard that maybe it's a good idea to get a reservation just in case it's super busy. Well, sure. well, I mean, Manti, the community itself of just Manti, like, I mean, that's the place where the Manti pageant, obviously, uh, was for forever. And that community, like anything with that temple, that is their town. We will go. We will go multiple times. We will host people. That is their Olympics, I guess. You know, that is the time for their city to shine. So you can imagine both they will attend as well as make sure that that's a great experience. There, uh, we are making a push. Uh, so this is a warning for you, Corey K. Ward, uh, to do the media day for the Manti Temple and to bring um, an artist or someone who knows a considerable amount of LDS art, specifically Minerva Tigert, to do a small like cultural hall tour on media day adjacent to the tour that the church offers so that we can see what murals and things have been left and you know know all about that so that is in the very early stages of having that come together and if we are able to ask other guests to come we'll make that available otherwise we'll just tell you all about it nice that sounds yeah. cool yeah uh okay so that's uh that's some good temple news uh, are you, is there anything coming down the pipe or, or you're waiting for something that you're like, oh man, this should have been any day. I can't wait for this. <laughs> um, now I just know that there's some, some more groundbreakings, um, this weekend, uh, and then some more open houses soon. So yep. Rin rinse and repeat as we get to 500 by 2030. Here we go, baby. Point to the outfield. 500 by 2030. Corey K. Ward, uh, if you want to learn more about him, uh, you can actually now go to the About Us tab at theculturalhall.com and you can see his pretty face if you're just a, an audio listener. And uh, you should also be able to get a link to the Facebook group page thing that he does about the LDS chapels around the world. You want to get an instant link to that? You bet. Click on it and see chapels like maybe that West End Collegiate Church and how awesome that is. Is that going to be featured sometime? I'll have to do it. Yeah, yeah, you will. Yeah, you will. Uh, I appreciate your time. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, uh, we've got Megan the Mitch doing actual articles of news. 
Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. BestDJinUtah.com. You're right. It's a new ad. What? Well, it's been an entire season since I've recorded a BestDJinUtah.com ad. And well, the wedding season coming to an end at this point, but not really because what happens now is everyone who's going to get married in 2024 reaches out and says, Richie, is it possible? Do you still have this date? And I tell them, yes, hopefully. And then we get you booked. We'd love to be able to work with you. Uh, travel all along the Intermountain West. Some people call it the Jello Belt. Uh, you can go to bestdjinutah.com to request a quote. You can find us on any of the social medias at bestdjinutah. And uh, we can answer any questions. Affordable? Yes. Over 400 five-star reviews? Yes. Highest rated in the state of Utah? Uh-huh. Go on. It's best djinutah.com and and I'll give you a little hint it it also helps me to be able to do this like financially support the cultural hall through that and you get something in return Hi friends, Dan the Laptop Man here from PC Laptops. You can get a brand new PC Laptops desktop and they start at only $29 a month and it comes with a lifetime warranty. Just check us out at PCLaptops.com. That's PCLaptops.com. And here we are in the second half of what we are calling the Temple Ticker News Articles. Whatever, because we just finished the Temple Ticker with Corey K. Ward. Megan the Mitch, welcome to Articles of News as we wrap out uh, the latest-ish news from the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints thanks for being here anytime how are you i am well a massive shout out to mr mayor uh Mm -hmm. allowing us to be able to see megan the mitch mitchell in 4k resolution as she broadcasts her part of the news from a child's tent in the backyard that's what the sheet over your head looks like it's true you're following on youtube it looks like (laughs) she's in a tent that her kids collapsed on her and she just was like listen i'm going to keep doing the thing and then They'll be grounded later. Anything new or exciting with you? Mm, let's see. Ooh, can I brag about a kid? Uh, yeah, uh, which kid? The older or younger kids? Uh, middle. Okay, because I have my faves of yours, so there, I will not <laughs> allow bragging on some of them. Yes, go ahead. Okay, that's fair. So my son, Ethan, he's about to turn 13. There you go. And he plays baseball. And um, he's done just rec leagues, you know, mm-hmm. his whole his whole life. And he's been begging us to play for a competition like travel team Mm -hmm. and he's tried out a few times and it's been like they have three people try out and they only need two Mm -hmm. and he's been number three you know so that's that's a bummer but he's made the best of it and like really honed his skills in the rec leagues and stuff and then this past fall he kept asking us to try out for a comp team again Mm -hmm. and we're like well you know let's look at grades let's look at all of these things and unfortunately his grades were kind of in the toilet Mm. so we were like sorry bud you got to get your grades up and then you can try out. We gave him the threshold that he needed to meet. And uh, that that dude pulled it out and got his grades where he needed him to be. And he said, can I try out for a comp team? And we said, buddy, you you do the research, find some teams that have tryouts coming up, and then we'll go from there. Not only did he find teams for tryouts, he called the coaches. He set up the, 
the tryouts for himself wow. and like went through the whole process and he made one of the teams. There you go. I'm so proud of him. I'm so, so proud of him because it's, you know, he's worked for it. He's worked really hard. And yeah. um, he still, the coaches said, we only want 11 on our team, but we're going to take you as number 12 um, because we think you have a lot of potential. We think you'll work hard. You took the initiative. And so he, it means he might be playing on the bench a little bit this season, but he's still doing all the same workouts with the team, all of the things, traveling to all of the tournaments, which sure. um, is going to be lot. a lot. <laughs> it's it's like four four tournaments in either St. George or Idaho mm -hmm. and then one like big tournament in either Colorado or Nebraska. So in like between now and July we'll have like five different tournaments that he needs to be at. But one of them aligns with a dance competition. So we'll be in St. George already. So oh. we'll just like take two cars. You know? I was hoping that he would be a part of the dance competition. That's a right. different child. Is different child. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. But okay. anyways, I'm really, I'm really proud of him because yeah. it was, he had to do a lot of work to get his grades up where they needed to be. And then just to see him take the initiative, even the coach said to my husband at the tryout, he's like, I was hoping that you guys actually knew what was going on, that he wasn't just like <laughs> arranging this for himself. And you guys had no idea, you know? Yeah. So, um, Anyway, he's 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 really excited. I'm really excited for him. So that's incredible. That yeah. is, I think that is parenting uh, in its finest, oh, where you, you sort of go where you because I think that there's a lot of parents that could be like, and I'll help you if you get this, and and I don't know that that's a wrong way of doing it, but sure. you you certainly know that it means a lot more to the kid if the kid has to do all of the work, right. You know, that at least that the kid has the amount of resilience to go, yeah, and then I kept trying, right. and then I kept trying. You know yeah. also that you've disqualified yourself out of the millions of dollars that he'll likely make in the major leagues because he'll say things like, you never helped me, you made me make my own phone calls. But I mean, that's, that's Listen, here nor there. It, it's fine. He, he has promised me if he gets like a Bryce Harper style contract into mm -hmm. the major leagues, he'll, he'll buy me a house or something. That's so, awesome. you know. <laughs> Will your husband be able to live there or is he like, not sure. my favorite jury's out on the house? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's fun. That's fun. Yeah. Uh, well, a quick thing for me, I had it happen the other day. If people follow me personally on Facebook, uh, they'll know what I'm already talking about, <laughs> but I, uh, I am astounded. I have been a runner for the majority of my life. In fact, uh, even as a young kid, I remember being in third or fourth grade in elementary school, uh, at recesses, I, one year I'd started to see how many times I could run around the uh, portable during okay. a recess time. And it got to the point that people would start to like count how many times I could do it and see if I could break the record or whatever. And as I did it, uh, other kids would want to do it and join me too. And other kids got sick and had to go home from school and different things. And so uh, not a great experience. Anyway, needless to say, ran my entire life and have always enjoyed watching uh, my dad run. He's run like 75 marathons oh my in his life. Uh, he can't run anymore due to running 75 marathons in his life. Um, but uh it had never happened to me before ever until the other day. I ran on the treadmill and uh, I was able to achieve um, bloody nipple status on my runner bib, that uh, shirt thing that I was, my, what are those things called? It's not a unitar. It's a, like a, a tank, tank top. <laughs> no, but they call it something for runners. Oh, Whatever that is. Do they call is. it a kit? No, that's not. No, that's a, no, that's, yeah. It's a, mm. it's yeah. a, it's a, 
obviously. Anyway, running, didn't know that my nipples were bleeding. So I'm the crazy guy on the treadmill at the gym, sweating. And I grunt. I'm a grunter a little (laughs) bit, especially towards the end. My wife uh, got me one of those uh, things that you put on your arm. That mm-hmm. is more accurate for your uh, your uh, your Step heart rate, counter, so you can work in work in zones. Sure. So you can work okay. out in zones and burn. Blah, 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 whatever. She's still teaching me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm that crazy guy grunting with just bloody nipple drips on uh, on uh, my shirt. So there it is. Um. Okay. So. Is this a congratulations moment or is this a, I'm really sorry to hear that moment? Because I'm you know, not a runner, I, so I don't know. I feel like I've arrived because every okay. uh, runner has that happen to them. Okay. Just took you longer. Uh, just took me longer, but I've run marathons before. Now, okay, I didn't I run, know that. That's impressive, by the way. Oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I used to use it as an excuse to travel. <laughs> I was like, I want to go to place. <laughs> okay, I'll run a marathon there because I couldn't just justify it. Sure. And I did a couple with like uh, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society where you raise money and then you go do the race and it was a super okay. cool experience. Uh, cool. Spendy, but super cool. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I finally arrived. Now, when I've done the marathons, though, you get the nipple band-aids sure. and you just, you just, you precautionary. You're doing uh, that action for so long, you mm-hmm. know it's bound to happen. So you just do it. But I just thought treadmill run, I'm, I'm safe. I'm clear. I'm in the clear. Nope. Yeah. I was not. How, f- how far did you run that day? Uh, almost like a half marathon, probably pretty close to. I'm lucky if I get five minutes on the treadmill without like keeling over dead. Oh, yeah. I'm not a runner at all. Well, here here is the thing that I would tell you. Tell In me. 2024. Let me recast a vision for you. Okay. Say something like, I am a person who runs, but not for very long. Oh, I like instead that. Instead of. Yeah. I am not a runner. I'm a person who runs, but not for very long. Yeah, because that, so, because when you say I'm not a runner, guess what? You give yourself the excuse to not, not run. run. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Okay. Well, I'm really good at running five minutes on the treadmill. Yeah, I crush and, it. And you want to know something crazy? And what I literally have done? Then we're actually going to get to news. I promise. Mm-hmm. Like if you did five minutes this week, uh-huh. and then next week you're like, listen, I'm not going ten minutes. That's insane. Right. I'm going to go six minutes oh, and then next week you do six minutes. And then the next mm-hmm. week, maybe you just say, oh, listen, I don't need to go up this week. But then the next week you go seven in two months time. You could be a 10 minute runner without <gasps> hardly any effort. Hey, will I cry in this process? Because sometimes I cry. Sure. No, I don't. Sure. I don't really cry. Sure. My first marathon, I bawled like a baby. Like Seriously? a baby. Aww. It was uh, none of my none of my brothers and sisters. Sorry, everyone. We're getting to news at some point. I promise. It is what it is. Uh, I, it was the Las Vegas Marathon in 2007. Mm-hmm. I had never run a marathon before, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, my dad said, "Hey, I'll run this with you. Let's go down and do it." I said, "That sounds great." So we went down, and um, none of my siblings had ever run a marathon before. Actually, still have not. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm there in the starting gates. Your crowd emotions are high anyway. You're wondering, did I drink enough? Did I train enough? Have I eaten properly for the day? Am I going to be able to do this? Whatever. And my dad took the moment and said, you know what, son? I always dreamed of the day that one of my kids would join me in a marathon. And I can't wait for this today. And I'm just like, oh, just an unwildly amount of tears, just gushy. 
And the best part about that marathon is my dad's marathon time was about an hour faster than mine. Dang. So he would run with me. Oh my gosh. And then he'd be like, nah, I'm going to go get a drink. And so then like he'd, you know, he'd get to the next aid station and then he'd be like, "Um, I don't usually drink this much. I'm going to go use the restroom. So then he'd go use the restroom and he'd catch back up to me. And I'm just like, okay, that's cool. Go ahead and run circles around. That's (laughs) That's impressive. That's fine. All right. Let's get to actual articles of news. Hit it, Peter. You can't lose articles of news. And away we go. I thought this was fascinating, and I want to start here. Uh, Elder Kieran, that is the newest apostle of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, recently uh, essentially had a press day, an opportunity where he visited with various members of the press, uh, Associated Press, Salt Lake Tribune, uh, Deseret News, KSL, Channel 4, and Salt Lake. I think that everyone was probably part of a larger press conference and then maybe got to ask him a few questions. Now, what I think is fascinating about this is that uh, the Associated Press headline um, talks about this, says, new member of LDS church leadership says it must do better to help sex abuse victims heal. And we'll get into that in a minute, right? But that was literally every headline that I saw about Elder Kieran talking to the press. Some variation of that. We need to help these people. We need to offer more services, blah, 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 right? That was, that was the headline except for the Deseret, Deseret News. <laughs> and the Deseret News headline says, Elder Patrick Kieran describes feelings as the first adult convert called as a Latter-day Saint apostle in 119 years, which is of note. Very. But I I just find it fascinating in a couple ways, and maybe not the way that you think. Certainly, uh, sex abuse is going to be the thing that... that leads in, uh, you know, a headline type of thing. So especially with I, the Associated Press, sure, which is but, but, fine. But it was in literally the, all of the presses. Sure, East okay. News had some variation of it. Um, okay. You know, ABC. The Tribune, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, it was it was literally like, hey, this person admitted to this and said they need to do this. Sure. So I understand that that is a, a more captivating, more capturing headline, perhaps. But the Deseret News didn't even mention it at all in the article. Oh, didn't mention didn't mention that statement statements around that at all. And I know that people throw a lot of shade on the Salt Lake Tribune for oh that paper that hates the LDS Church. Okay, have your feelings. That's fine. Right. But I feel like if you want to have a similar opinion about the Deseret News, where they're like anything that could borderline be potentially maybe a little bit, you know, truthful or shady about the church, they won't report it. That, right. that to me is just as bad. Sure. Yeah. Because, yeah. because it, it is a view that was discussed mm-hmm. by the apostle, by the, by the LDS church's apostle, wh- whom owns the Deseret News. Right. And if you don't mention it, what a skewed vision of that opportunity, that individual, that discussion, that press conference that you just didn't even report on. Now, yeah. maybe the excuse could be made where they say, well, listen, everybody else will report on it. That doesn't hold water with me. You See, at least have to mention it to say, hey. Right. And he also said this. Is it possible that they could be doing further reporting on that? And maybe that's why they didn't mention it. I don't know. It, I'm just I mean, that, out. that that is a benefit of the doubt that down the road it could be. Elder Kieran said this, 
It and this is what we're doing about it. it. Yeah. But I still feel like when you're reporting on the we're meeting this right. and all of these people hear these other things that you still include it. You don't have to make yeah. it the headline. That's not Deseret News's MO to put that in their headline. I get that. Right. But I still think that you say, and he also discussed yeah. about how we need to do more to help sex abuse victims heal. And th so, that should have been a part of it. One thing in looking at the AP article is that... Um, so I like this quote. He said, there is no question in my mind that the abuse of a child or the deliberate abuse of anyone is the most heinous crime and must not be tolerated in any form. Right. Yes. hundred mm -hmm. percent. Yeah. We must all be much better regardless of which religious group or denomination in caring for those who have been victims of those crimes um, and move beyond just surviving the ordeal. So I like that he said like, yes, we need to do better, but also so does everybody. And I think that's, I mean, that's not related, obviously, to what you're saying about the Deseret News, but I do like what he said, that he said, like, it's it's not just us, it's everybody. Sure. Everybody needs to do better with this. Yeah. He was further asked about the LDS hotline, which if people don't mm -hmm. know, if uh, a bishop uh, encounters in, in some way that someone has been abused, there's a hotline that they can call and say, hey, help me out with some legal advice as far as this goes, or at right. least that's what in, it's intended for that particular thing to be. Um he didn't speak specifically about the hotline, uh, but then said further, we must deploy everything we can to help those who have been mistreated in the most dreadful ways heal. There's been mm -hmm. a lot of progress made in this regard, but we need to get much better. And of course, you know, you look no further than some of the other articles of news that we will talk about in this very article of news, articles of news, where there have been continuous things um, that have occurred within literal walls of our church right. um, or beyond just, you know, between church members. And and we're not unique to it. I don't think anyone is saying that, right. but it, it, it is, it is, um, it is encouraging to hear one of the apostles really even talk about it. Right. In, and in to that be very forthright about it. Yeah. 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 Uh, first convert in 119 years is also pretty cool to be called as an apostle. I think that's really, really cool. The interesting thing about that is I, he went on like a two year discovery of the church. Like he, he investigated for a long, like what we would consider a long time. You know, he, he, and, and he was initially like, nah, it's not for me. Mm -hmm. Not really, not really my thing. But then he realized that the, um, the doctrines of the church and the people like they aligned, you know, it wasn't just lip service. It was people actually living their faith mm -hmm. um, that really got him to the point where he was like, yeah, this is something I could do. And I think that's, that's awesome. What so. I also think is uh, kind of cool about this is the story about how uh, Elder Kieran was called. Mm -hmm. So he's in a meeting because he's in the presidency of the 70. I think he was the president, acting president, correct? I think so. Yeah. Uh, visiting. And uh, he gets out of the meeting and gets past a note, which in my mind is like, you know, two girls passing it in right. middle school. That's like how I want that note. Do you like this guy? Circle yes or no. And, and the, the note says, can you meet President Nelson in 10 minutes? Uh, and it was, sure. Elder Kieran was the senior president of the presidency of the 70. Uh, he said, uh, I mean, yeah, okay. When the, when the prophet asks to uh, to meet you, of course you do. He says, after a short wait. Uh, President Nelson, the church prophet and president, greeted him. We talked. He asked me some questions. He was beautiful, as is his nature and way. And then he extended the call. He was to take the seat in the Quorum of the Twelve that had been uh, vacated by 
uh, President Russ, M. Russell Ballard. And here's the deal. His wife wasn't there. Okay, seriously. Yes, I saw that. I had My husband was just called as a ward missionary, and I had to be there for that. Yeah. He just got released as elders corn president and got called as a ward missionary, and they needed me there to say that I would support him. Yeah. As a ward missionary, arranging service projects. So yeah. I'm like, his wife, maybe they maybe they patched her in. Maybe they got her on a Zoom. Yeah. It, 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 so there's lots of things that I think about this is one that I think it probably speaks to the amazing character of, and if you'd look it up, I want to say her by her name, what uh, Sister Kieran's name is. I um, find it. But the, they just know Sister Kieran's, you know, demeanor and, and devotion to God that they're like, yeah, she's in. You know what I'm saying? Right. Her name's Jennifer. Jennifer. Uh, that Jennifer is, you know, her faith is just like, of course, a follow yeah. Patrick in whatever he wants to do. And, and as a person of faith, faith enough that she could handle the very difficult responsibilities of being an, an apostle's apostle. wife. Right. Right. Um, so I think that that is certainly interesting um, that he didn't say like, oh, hey, uh, could you, let me just call her. Or maybe he did, but certainly the story doesn't say, let me just loop her in real quick. Right. Uh, shoot a text really fast. Hang yeah, on. Yeah. Uh, hold on. I, uh, Can she, I FaceTime her really fast? <laughs> Want to FaceTime with the prophet? Uh, okay. Sure. Um, but then he said, yeah, let's do it. Here we go. And then he says, I was ordained and set apart all in that moment. So if I understand correctly, and tell me if you understood this differently, that his wife wasn't there when he was ordained either. That's how I read it. Yeah. So here's here's one thing to think about. So the next day they went, he was scheduled to speak at BYU Hawaii mm-hmm. at their commencement. Mm-hmm. Is it possible that maybe she had gone ahead of him and they had traveled there separately? So maybe she was already in Hawaii. Sure. And so then she wouldn't be able to be there like present, you know, in person. But at the same time, like to be ordained and set apart without her, like they could have probably waited like four days. Well, no. So that's, so that's another part of it that I think is just sort of exciting that he's like, no, needs to be now needs to be you for whatever reason. Um, whether it's convenience, which I sort of tip my hat a little bit. Sometimes mm-hmm. there's so much pageantry within the church where it's like, in three weeks' time, we'd right. love to meet with you. We're not going to tell you what it is. And then in four weeks' time, we're going to actually set you apart. It's like, no, ask yeah. me the thing today. I'll do the thing done. tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, then to be like, oh, hey, so notice anything different about me? Is it your haircut? Is it your haircut? You, no. Do you see the light? Yeah. Do you see? Can you feel the mantle? Yeah. yeah. So uh, then he continues to talk about how he just feels incredibly overwhelmed uh, that he had the opportunity to be with Elder Christofferson at the Orem Temple dedication and and that, you know, fully, fully uh, just welcomed right in and immediately put to work, which I also, I also think speaks to the fact that you have some of these um, – Apostles that are, I, I don't want to say so old, but are old. They're tired. Yeah, old. Yeah, and and unable to do as much as a 62-year-old apostle. It's like, man, get in. Let's go. Right. We, got, we got enough octogenarians and uh, septuagenarians that can't do some of these things. We need your young blood. Let's go. Right. And get after it. So, I, I love thought, how he said, I'm grateful that I slept last night. <laughs> which is amazing. I slept well, 
but a lot of sleeplessness and soul searching and all of those inner feelings that I think most of us have in relation to anything we're asked to do. Mm -hmm. I still don't really have words to encapsulate it, but I have to deal with my response to it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So very cool. He's awesome. I'm excited to hear from him again at uh, next uh, general conference. He was a great speaker uh, anyway. One that I really liked, not only his accent, although let's be honest, that's a good part it of slays. it. It's a good but, one. But, you know, so great in the in the messages that he has shared. I'm excited to hear that and and see if there feels a difference. Right. That he's right. an apostle. I okay, so this is the cutest thing. President Jeffrey R. Holland assigned Elder Christofferson to mentor Elder Kieran in his new role in the Quorum of the Twelve. And I think that's cute how they have mentors to help yeah, them I mean, you have transition. To. Oh, totally. Totally. I just, I never thought about it, you know? And so mm -hmm. then to see that I'm like, Oh, that makes practical, logical sense. But then it just, I think it's sweet how it probably helps build the camaraderie to mm -hmm. be like, you know, like when you're at girls camp and you have your, your, your are like a youth years? leader. What? Your fourth years and they're exactly they're, your fourth yeah. years and your counselor to the first years who they don't know what's going on. And you're sure. like, it's all right. I got this. I got no. you. We're going to get through this together. You know, yeah. I just think that that's really, really a sweet way to build camaraderie. And then Elder Kieran said, so pray for him. He's the ideal mentor in my mind. He's gentle, kind, thoughtful, anticipates. He gives me sort of practical guidance in terms of this is roughly how that goes, or these are the things that you have to keep in mind as you approach this moment. And here are some things that I have learned. Uh, that's kind of his approach. It's very, very gentle, thoughtful, and kind in keeping with the man. But I love how he's like, pray for him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and in my, in my heart of hearts, I hope that, uh, Elder Christofferson calls Elder Kieran Jr. Come on, right. Jr. <laughs> Keep <on>. up. <laughs> this is how we do this. Uh, you know, Megan, the Mitch Mitchell, she is all things sports. Yeah, she is. She's got a bunch of sports stories. So let me see if I can. Megan, the Mitch Mitchell track. So Who's let's sport? do this. Saints who sport with Megan the Mitch. So the first one, and Richie, this is off script. I didn't tell you I was going to do this what one. What? I know. What else is new? Um. So the current uh, front runner for Rookie of the Year in the NBA, Victor Wembanyama. He goes by Wemby. He's mm -hmm. French. He is so tall. Um. This is more uh, adjacent because he's not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. However, his favorite author is a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. Okay. His favorite author is uh brandon sanderson and um he talked about how like he's read every single one of his books multiple times and he loves escaping into the worlds that he's built and it's funny because uh brandon sanderson is currently writing a new series that happens to have these characters that are like very tall and long i think he calls them like element dancers or something and he's hmm. like he's like Wemby Victor could totally be one of these guys. That's exactly what I imagine. So anyway, that's just a cute little story about uh, Saints Who Sport adjacent. I I reject that Saints Who Sports uh, <laughs> story. Get get me to another one. All right, fine. Uh, five BYU women's soccer players were selected in the uh, National Women's Soccer League draft, and Latter Day Saint Olivia Maltrie also received an award. Um, so BYU was the second most selected team in the draft this year. Number one was uh, North Carolina. Um, so we had, uh, sorry, I'm finding the list. Uh, Brecken Mozingo. She went number four overall to the Utah Royals. Olivia Smith Griffiths picked number 20. She also went to the Royals. 
Olivia Wade Katoa picked number three, and she goes to the Portland Thorns. Jamie Shepard, number 30, number 30 in the draft, went to Bay Football Club. That's owned then, by Beyonce. Obviously. Um, they're uh, so in a stunning Sorry, turn everyone. of events. Their mascot is a bee. Who knew? Yeah. Um, I would have thought that for Utah. And, and then. Um, no, the, it's Queen Bee because of Beyonce. Forget it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and then in the fourth round, Laveni Vaca, she went number 55 also to Bay um, FC. And then uh, Olivia Moultrie, who plays for, I believe she plays for the Thorns. She received the, sorry, I'm, I, I want to get it right. Um, the young female player of the year. Wow. Um, so that's really exciting. She's the youngest woman to ever be selected to play in the national, uh, national women's soccer league. Um, and so, yeah, she's awesome member of the church. She's, she's really amazing at keeping her standards really high and just doing the thing and crushing awesome. it. Um, and I think she women's was, soccer, if people don't know, just, I mean, if that doesn't give you every indication, phenomenal, phenomenal, so championship good. contenders every year, every single year. So that's our first, uh, Saints who sport. And then this was an interesting story. So former coach of Navy, Ken Neomatalo yep. featured in the meet the Mormons movie exactly. uh, that we aren't allowed to talk about anymore. Not never. Um, so he was just named the head coach of San Jose State University. Now, the interesting thing about this is that a month prior, he had been named the tight ends coach at UCLA. After, interesting. After previously serving as the, um, he had some, oh, the director of leadership at UCLA for the 2023 season. Then he was named the tight ends coach. And then a month later, he was picked up by San Jose State University. So that's uh, exciting for him. He is the winningest coach in Navy history. He coached there for several years and had an incredible, an incredible record. He coached there from 2007 to 2022. His record was 109 wins and 83 losses. So he's, uh, he's got the, the credentials to back it all up. So exciting for him. Now, uh, I've got that the San Jose uh, football coaches, Sam, oh, wait, uh, uh, never mind. You know, uh, here's an interesting thing about that. Uh, the, hold on, I'm looking up what the salary is, Navy mm -hmm. football coach salary, because I can tell you probably why he, why he went. Yeah. Let's see here. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So here's the difference. <laughs> The, uh, the, oh no, maybe not actually, uh, back in, back in the day, it was only $62,000 for a football coach at Navy. But, oh, uh, man. most recently in 2022, uh, the pay that Ken Niamotololo, uh, made is the same that he's making at San Jose. So maybe he just wanted to, maybe he just wanted a West coast stint. So I think he was let go from his position at Navy. Like he didn't just like leave. Like, I think, I think they were like, we're done. You know, mm. it's time, time to separate. Um, I don't know that for sure, but I think that that was the case. Um, so, but then like he was hired at UCLA to work in like with the team, um, you at know, the tight end coach. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And then a month later, San Jose state was like, now nah, we'll take you instead. So well, so this so this is interesting uh, as we look at the, and I'm not saying he's a money driven person, but that the average um, 
like assistant coach, which is what a tight end coach is, mm-hmm. uh, like 350000 a year. So it's a, okay. it's a couple million dollars more. Yeah, most likely. Yeah. I can go do that. You know what? I'll go because even with the 10% that. reduction that Ken right. faces, uh, exactly. he's making more money. Do you have more Saints who sport? Uh, that's the last one. Okay. Let me go through just a couple uh, quick. These are like, uh, I don't know, just quick one-offs. There is, if you are interested and we'll do an upcoming episode, probably a shorter interview episode about the Thumb Follow Me YouTube oh. YouTube video se- series. If you haven't seen this, they are thumbs, thumbprints, <laughs> thumbs that uh, go through the various stories that the uh, kids would learn about in Come Follow Me. It's called Thumb Follow Me. And I just thought that was kind of clever. Uh, it's a thing out of um, Storybox Studios that okay. Brigham and Noah, those are their first names, their last name, Sunday. So it's Brigham <laughs> and Noah Sunday uh, that they put together and do, trying to speak at a kid's level about the Come Follow Me. We'll talk to them in the future, so I won't go too much further into that. I, I want to use one of their videos in my uh, grown-up gospel doctrine class. You did? I want to. Oh, you want to. No, you should. 100% you should. Uh, This was interesting. Why was Lisa Barlow's son, if you don't know, she's one of the housewives of Salt Lake City. Why was her son's Mormon mission delayed? He was supposed to be serving in Columbia, couldn't get a visa, uh, so had to go to California first before he could go to Columbia. Part of the delay, you always hear about uh, the... uh, the delays for visas for missionaries, part of the delay, just a visa delay. The other part, do you, do you know? Did you read the story? I, I did not. I and also he, think it's one of those things where I'm like, well, it's not in my business. So yeah. I'm sorry that his business is all, you know, whatever. But. Delayed because he sent the visa department a shirtless photo of <laughs> oh, himself right. for, his, for his visa application. You did see that. Tops off. <laughs> Give me a visa. Let me come to your country to be able to serve my mission. That's uh, Lisa Barlow's son. I think Jackson is his name or Jack or something like that. Uh, Elder Archuleta, former Elder Mm -hmm. Archuleta, former Mormon Archuleta, Archie, as some people would call him, has uh, landed a memoir deal with Day Street Books, where he will write all about uh, being an American Idol, coming out of the closet, and about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Day Street Books is um, said, hey, you know what? We're going to front him as far as this goes and look for it to come out. Oh, later this year, first part of 2025, it looks like as he's written this, obviously have some help to write that as most of those authors do, but should be an interesting look inside the LDS church and, and some of his conversations as he was the poster child for... Uh, the church doing large firesides. The church's um, production arm went to, I think he was in Chile, uh, yeah. serving a mission, where they brought, you know, massive amounts of camera light and other sort of production down for these various conferences that they did, um, being able to capture and capitalize on the popularity that he had uh, mm-hmm. from being on American Idol before serving his mission and now for him to have left the church behind him. Um, that is uh, uh, another of these kind of quick one-off stories. Uh, Kristen Stewart, you know who Kristen Stewart is. I am so familiar with Kristen Stewart. Tell yep. people who Kristen Stewart is. She is Bella from Twilight. Yep. And, she's... and also Princess Diana from a very weird movie called Spencer. 
She says uh, she thinks Twilight is such a gay movie. Her words, not mine. She talks about the series. Um, and and I wanted to read this because I think that it's it it is an interesting look. I think she's you know grabbing at something that isn't there. But she goes on to talk about the the series and certainly the movies. It says. The franchise is based off of author Stephanie Myers, who, if you don't know, is a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or at least was when she wrote it. I think that she still is. I haven't heard that she wasn't. I haven't heard. Um, the uh, books of the same name. She thinks that the heteronormative films were actually queer-coded all along. Quote, I can only see it now, Kristen said of the series, quote, Queer Sparkle, end quote, adding, I, quote, don't think it necessarily started off that way, but I also think the fact that I was there at all, it was percolating. It's such a gay movie, end quote. Stewart continued to support, support her theory and says, I mean, Taylor Lautner and Rob Pattinson and me, and it's so hidden and not okay. I mean, a Mormon woman wrote this book. It's all about oppression, about wanting what's going to destroy you. That's a very gothic, gay inclination that I love. She goes on to write uh, or to say a little bit more about it. But I thought that that was an interesting thing to um, to talk about that. Yeah, maybe some of the popularity of that book does have sort of natural man uh, thoughts <laughs> woven within it, which I would just say is the human story. We all want the right. things that we probably should not have. Those things right. that we know either to be physically or emotionally or mentally or spiritually destructive to us. There's something desirable for us to go, oh, I want that thing that I can't have. I would love right. that thing that I can't have. Um, but, you know, those are sort of her comments. The uh, headline, the gay movie part of it, just trying to get you to click. And it worked. It worked. It worked. Kristen you clicked, Stewart. man. I clicked and I it's read. A, it's It's an interesting hot take. And it's it's obviously her experience is like... I, she, I think people are going to look at things like Twilight or any of these other things and just like color their own, like look at it through their own experience and their sure. own lenses. Cause I'm, I wouldn't look at it that way, you know, yeah. as like, oh, well, it's all about oppression. And so it must be about LGBT issues, you know, and, and all of that. Like, that's not something that I would see. I look at it more like, oh, here's a girl. And Maybe she can't be with her missionary because he's on his mission. And then here's this other guy who really wants to date her and she's stuck between trying to decide, you know, like that's my experience that I see. We should remake it. Oh, <gasps> yes. And Elder the missionary Twilight. is the werewolf. Exactly. Exactly. It writes the itself, Richie. Yeah, basically does. Basically yep. does. Uh, and then one li just last quick uh, one-off story. This is a couple weeks old, but... Uh, Michigan national championship football team in college. There is a member of the church on that team. Uh, Deseret News did an article about it because he's the first counselor in his bishopric. And he's a giant. Yeah. he's a, And he's in a young single adult ward. He's the first counselor and part of the uh, championship team. So congratulations, Andrew Gentry and the rest of the, uh, the uh, Michigan Wolverines. What other stories have you that you would like to talk about? Okay, I have two. One more serious and one kind of funny that leans into serious. Which okay. one would you like to go first? I would like one more funny that leans into serious. Okay, so this is a story. Okay, Richie, it has business deals gone wrong, right? Okay. All it right. has it has real estate ventures. It has uh, murder. Murder. Arson and a potential haunting. Oh my gosh! What I know is it's this all story? over the place. Okay, so. 
I I have to get a shout out to my sister, Molly. She texted me. She's like, you have to talk about this the next time you're on Articles of News. So Molly, here it goes. So there's this house in Utah County that is abandoned and it's been on the market for a very long time. And it was originally owned by a very well-known plastic surgeon. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then a businessman, a prominent businessman in Utah purchased it Mm -hmm. and did a, started to do a renovation on it. But this house is not like, there's no living space. Okay. Like there's like a swimming pool and a tennis court and like a basketball court and like a big living room and a kitchen and that's it. No bedrooms, maybe some bathrooms, but it's basically like he bought it to be a party house. okay? Okay. And then his business situation went south. So they had to put it on the market. It's been abandoned. And I I found this this, uh, real estate photographer who was able to get in and like take a tour. And -hmm. it's like super creepy, right? And so then all of these people were commenting on it. And this one was like, oh my gosh, I took pictures of that house one time. And I swear it's haunted because my camera battery was dying three times faster than normal. And I developed the images. And then there was like weird things and the pictures and like- Yeah, exactly. Just like all these weird things. Well, it turns out the plastic surgeon who originally owned it was um, accused of kidnapping his girlfriend and like holding her uh, like captive in this house. Then they were found dead in like a murder suicide. Right. Okay. Well, then Richie plot twists of all plot twists right after Christmas, this house that has been on the market for years burned to the ground so is is this the uh 20 square foot home in in orem that went up it is yes okay all right um it's more of a utah centric story but it's bananas so crazy so crazy and the the fire department was like yeah this is definitely intentional yeah as fast as it went up and like they call it the mullet house online because it's really pretty in the front. And then when you walk around to the back, it's like plywood. So okay. it's it's uh, this house was all it was all over the map. It was just so crazy. Wow. And uh, yeah, I was not expecting the update because my sister was like, go look at this. So I went and looked at it and I was like, OK, yeah, this is kind of weird, whatever. And then I see the follow up. Oh, it like burned to smithereens. Yeah. Just so yeah, it has everything. That story has everything. Wow. Wow. And and what I've heard is that the businessman who owned it, who was trying mm-hmm. to sell it, mm-hmm. is um the son of the founder of Blendtec. Oh, and interesting. Okay. Now, interestingly enough, my husband does business with Blendtec, and my husband was like, "Oh yeah, that guy ran that business into the ground. Like mm-hmm. he did not know what he was doing because yeah. he took it over from his dad." Yeah. So, well, he I mean, put his business in the blender to see if it would yes, blend. To see if it, it would did. blend. And it did. Did it blend? It did. Yeah. Unfortunately, unfortunately it blended, yeah. mixed it up, chopped it. Yeah. Terrible. Yep. That's wild. Very. Uh, uh, a word to that. Anytime that there is an expensive home that has a difficulty either selling in your neighborhood or that like no one has bought and you know that the people are going under, look for that house to be burned. Yes. There are there are people who do that for people. This is not conspiracy. This is legitimate. My both my brother and my and my mother have worked in real estate for a long time. And they're like, that that building will have a fire in the next year. Because then you can get insurance and you can get out yep. of the deal and be able to be like, oh no, I uh somebody no, has a problem. I'm out. Those those lightning struck. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're homeless. Terrible. Yep. Anyway. Okay. Well. All right. So uh, uh you're not you don't get to do your story. other one. Are you trying oh. to do your other one right now? No. 
That's right. Nope. That's right. I promised that we would talk about this when I was yes. chatting with um Oh, Corey K. Ward, the Pharaoh himself, talking about uh, Nam Pen because that's where mm-hmm. Elder Renland was the other day as they mm-hmm. um, are securing some of the stuff with the temple there. The leadership of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has committed to joining the Cambodian government in improving the kingdom's health sector. Uh, they are going to construct a specialized cardiology clinic in the Siem Reap province. So this is significant to me because there are a lot of people, in fact, just yesterday sat down with someone who uh, is a former member of the church who said, I walk along 4th South in Salt Lake and I see all of the homeless people and can't the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints build a building to be able to house these people and be able to help all this. And, you know, why don't they do these particular things? Now, in Utah, the church donates millions, millions, millions from the church and members of the church additional millions mm-hmm. to the homelessness that uh, takes place here in the state of Utah and time, right? And service yeah. and, you know, work nonprofit and that could be done. Otherwise, all the things, right? Do all the yeah. things. But as far as a building in the state of Utah, we do not own a building that we say, hey, do this. Uh, we're going to be able to help you. That is what this building is, by my understanding, in Phnom Penh. It is a cardiology clinic. Now, it's not for homeless people, uh, but it is to be able to uh, improve the health in the kingdom there, uh, and, and be able to hands-on have a place for that local population. I thought it was significant. Those people that yeah. say, why doesn't the church build a thing? Um, they will continue to support the clinic after it is built. So yes. I think it is significant. I think that we see those things. Why they happen don't happen in the United States, I'm not exactly sure. Um, think, as far as the individual in... buildings. yeah. I think we see it in developing countries because a lot of those countries don't have just the governmental in- infrastructure yeah. that could do those things. You know, I mean, like we have it. Does our country do it? You know, but we we do have the infrastructure in the United States to make those things happen. Yeah. Whereas I would guess that Cambodia probably doesn't, at least not to the same extent. Same with areas of Africa and South America. You know, they just don't have a robust enough infrastructure to make it happen. I do love that it was Elder Renland who um who announced it because he's a heart doctor. Hmm. That makes sense. And that's and that I think that's a a a neat probably not coincidence. Yeah. Uh this was a cool inspirational story. Find the link to all these by the way in the show notes. Uh in Central Park in Jan- uh, Johnstown, Pennsylvania, the Relief Society there from the Johnstown uh, ward. They made a bunch of like hats and and they got some gloves and some socks and they put them in Ziploc bags and attached them to like park benches and different things in the Central Park and said, nope, these weren't accidentally left here. If you need these, please take them. A lot of homeless people find themselves in that park. And so just a cool mm-hmm. uh, variation on your kind of clothing drive for the homeless mm-hmm. from the, the folks there in the Johnstown Ward in Pennsylvania helping out uh, those that awesome. otherwise do not have. Our ward uh, did a thing where they took over the entire cultural hall and you just, they sorted coats and, and adult coats and female coats and male coats. And you just had like all these different things. And if you needed something, you just came in and took it. That's awesome. And if you needed to get rid of something, which <laughs> more people actually did, they had an abundance of stuff that they ended up taking to the homeless shelter. But there were lots of people who came in and they were like, free? Yes, if your kid needs a coat, yeah. take the coat. 
well, take and, the hat, put some oh gloves my gosh. on. Coats are expensive yeah. in general. And like when you have kids that are growing, that grow out of them every season, you're buying a new one every single year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a less expensive one is still going to be like 40, 50 bucks, yeah. you know? And, and you know that so kid's going to forget it somewhere. Uh-huh. And yes. you know that kid's going to ruin it because they're not that careful. Or they're just not going to wear it because they're a teenager who thinks they're too cool for wearing a coat. And heaven forbid their friends see that they have a coat. Yep. And so then they grow out well, of you it. you like to be warm? <laughs> right. It never happens in my house. No, no, no. Ever. It doesn't seem like you have any sort of feelings towards that. None, none. The rule in our house is that if there's snow on the ground or moisture coming from the sky, you have to wear a coat. Uh-huh. And so, like, we were pulling out of the driveway the other day, and I turned to my kid. I'm like, where's your coat? And he's like, there's no snow on the ground. And I'm uh-huh. like, it's still, like, 20 degrees. And he's like, well, there's no snow on the ground and no moisture from in, coming from the sky. And I was like, look under that tree. There's a tiny little pile of snow. Go get your coat, get your coat. <laughs> And I love that you guys call it moisture. He's like, I'm not thankful for moisture. Exactly. Uh, This I thought was interesting. Uh, Maybe people know about this. Maybe they do not. But there are virtual FSY sessions for U.S. uh, citizens and Canada, Canadian citizens. Uh, There is one the week of June 17th and one the week of July 29th. And it is as you think that it would be. If you can't get to college campus where FSY may be hosted in your area, you are online. And they said... Uh, they being the the those in charge of the FSY, they're like, I don't know, are kids gonna are kids gonna like this? Are they gonna show up on time? Are they gonna be distracted on their computers and doing other things? Overwhelmingly popular, being well, able kid, to to visit well, with other kids in these yeah. in these like chat groups and be able to do mm-hmm. these activities on their own and then bring them to show other people and and making friends friendships and relationships with these people that they're able to do fsy with that they otherwise would not be able to whether affordability or you know locale location approximation to where the actual thing is being held i'm also thinking about like health issues even though the fsy does their best to accommodate you know things like you know their ada you know compliant and all of that sure. there's still things that are gonna exclude not exclude but Make it so that it's impossible to uh, go in person. And here's the thing. Teenagers have lived through COVID, right? Mm-hmm. They they did virtual school. They had, my daughter did like a, a camp online in 2020 or 2021 or something. Mm-hmm. And um, that would normally be in person. And so I think they're used to it. Like they get it. They understand that this is a new way of getting to know people. And so I can I can see why it would be popular. Why it would be a, a, you know, an enticing opportunity because they know it, they yeah. they know the drill. They've done they did church online for how long? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. these kids know the drill. They know it. So, well, and I just think it 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 continues to echo my push, which is obviously the in person FSY is the ideal, right? It is a different experience, and I don't think anyone's like, yeah, my online FSY was just like being at a dance. Right. You know, after, you know, it's not, it isn't. Right. But it is my push for let's do a like North America sacrament meeting with speakers that if you're traveling, if you need to be nourished by the good word of God in a this happened today form and or fashion, let's have a, a thing that people can be able to do. Let's have a, uh, a seminary class mm-hmm. that 
Worst case scenario, worst case, and I still don't think this is that bad, is recorded. Yeah. And so if you're the football player, you're the dance captain, you're the whatever the thing is, you go, listen, I can't do it at that time. Credit-wise, I can't afford the credit transition for this. Yeah. I'll do it from 6.30 to 7.30 in the evening when I have time is so much better than, no, I'm sorry. You're going to need to have to take four periods time. Yeah, or you're going to have to be before school when you're barely, you know, yeah. you're causing contention in the home because you're not a morning person, physiologically not a morning person. You could do it at night, but... We do this at this time. The rigidity within that, uh, I mean, people just don't put up for it. Look look no further than, I'm not going to the office every day. Five days a week, right. I'm not doing that anymore. No way. Four days, okay. Well, Three days, all right, maybe. And there's precedent for all that you're saying. I mean, yep. I do Institute online and I have for a year and a half because I need to take Institute with school. Mm-hmm. And I have an Institute class tonight at 8.15. You know, we get together for 45 minutes, an hour, and we do our thing. The other thing is that there is some precedent for um, a Zoom sacrament meeting that, like, predates COVID. I mean, you go up into the largest stake geographically Mm -hmm. is in the Northwest Territories of Canada. It's huge. Hundreds and hundreds of miles. Uh And so there's there's no way in the wintertime for people to be able to get to Yellowknife, that's the stake, and Yellowknife Canada, there's no way for people to get there in just a couple of hours. It's like plane rides, you know, and mm-hmm. so they have it on online and they do that in parts of Alaska as well, because you can't get to the North Pole, you know, yeah. to North Pole, Alaska. Yeah, you need, a, so, you need a sleigh and some reindeer. Exactly, exactly. And and the the dress code is red yeah. for, that, for that sacrament Weird. meeting. Don't show up in a black suit. It's red. Yeah, no, um, no. You know, so there there is some precedent, all I'm yeah. saying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as we get to the waning moments of this, did you do your last story? No, you told me not to yet. Uh, how about you do it now? Okay. So um, KUTV, Channel 2 News here in Utah, mm. has produced a really, really great doctor- documentary. It's called Truth and Distortion, the Ruby Frankie and Jody Hildebrandt story. You can find it on YouTube and obviously the link will be in the show notes, but it is very well done. I have not finished it. It's about a half hour long, but I started it. And um, the thing that I, that really draw, drew me in is that they actually, I have not really heard the initial 911 call. Yeah. Um, I've honestly tried to avoid it, <laughs> but um, that's what they open with is this 911 call from the neighbor of Jody Hildebrandt. And um, it, it was interesting to me, the neighbor who called, you actually hear the little boy, you hear his voice because he's mm-hmm. asking him questions, but the caller gets very emotional about this. Like he, he gets choked up talking yeah. about uh, everything that he sees on this young man. You know, he's like, he's, he's been, he's been bound. He's been held captive. He's got, you know, bruises. He's got, you know, all of this stuff. And um, just, Obviously, the more that comes out about this story, the more heartbreaking it is. But um, the documentary is very well done. And obviously, there's more that's going to continue to come out through the from the story. The other thing that I found out from this documentary that I didn't know about is that according to um, Kevin Frankie, Ruby's husband, estranged husband, mm-hmm. um, according to him and his attorneys, they've been separated since 2022. Yeah. So... Very, very interesting. Yeah, at your uh, letting me know of that when I had insomnia, I watched that. And uh, 
I forget the guy's name and, and probably is LDS, the guy mm-hmm. the called because right. it's Ivan's Utah. It's a fairly exactly. it's a fairly LDS community uh, down just outside of St. He's got to have a connection of some kind. Well, probably. I mean, he's a neighbor and the guy, you know, right, right. To the church. Some that's connection to the That's church would be my guess. Yeah. Uh, but the way that he, because the young boy, and I forget the Frankie boy's name, um, but he says, oh yeah, the choices that I made, you hear it in the 911 mm-hmm. call that the kid's like, oh yeah, no, this is because I, I did this. Mm-hmm. I was bound because I did, I chose poorly or something like that. The guy who called 911, who, who walks him through it, I can't imagine doing that phone call, but that guy is a champ. If you listen Absolutely. to it, the way that like he takes care of the kid, mm-hmm. you know, you hear at one point that he's like, here, uh, you know, have this banana mm-hmm. uh, and and eat something. And, you know, we're not going to allow you to go back right. to that house. Absolute it, hero. Yeah. yeah. So cool. And, and the other um, person that I want to give props to, and this is just my own personal what do you call it? Rami Umtum? Sure. Get up uh, on. You know, get up on it. Um, the 911 dispatcher did amazing keeping her calm and keeping mm-hmm. her cool and talking this gentleman through everything. So my dad was a 911 dispatcher for 30 years. Oh, wow. And that job is hard. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, uh, people talk about first responders and Yes, everything that is said about police officers and paramedics and all of those, they, it's absolutely all legit. But I think 911 dispatchers tend to get left out mm. of the conversation because they're the, they're the first ones to hear what's going on. You're literally talking people through their worst moments, yeah. the worst things that they could ever um, experience. And I, when I was a kid, I would go to work with my dad sometimes and Ugh. they would give me a set of headphones and I could nope. listen. It is... It's, uh, there's no words, you know, cause you also don't really get closure either to yeah. whatever is going on. You, you say, oh, the police are there. Okay. I'm going to let you go next call, you know? And she just, I really felt like she did such a good job helping this man stay calm, mm-hmm. reassuring him. And she's like, you know, I think we'll just send the paramedics just in case, you yeah. know, and and he's like, yeah, okay, yeah, that's probably a good idea, you know. And and I just thought everybody involved in that for such a horrific circumstance, heroes. Yeah. And yeah. So. <sighs> okay. Well, there's a couple other stories that are going to make us do that very same thing. Then we'll wrap this thing out. Sounds great. Um, Let's go here. A former local leader of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This is in Logan, Utah, sentenced to 60 days in jail for sexting with a teenage girl in his congregation. He was part of the Bishop Brick, not the Bishop, but was in the wards. Bishop Brick uh, had started to text this underage girl. Uh, This occurred between June 10th and July 14th of 2021, Uh, began to sext her. Uh, The text turns inappropriate and sexually graphic. The victim's mother reported the actions to the bishop, who reportedly removed Andrew from his position in the ward. Through the investigation, detectives reported that Andrew was attempting to groom the girl to have sex with him. The communications ended before the relationship became physical. Hallelujah. Yes. Uh, During Monday's sentencing, defense attorney Shannon Demler said what Andrew did was legally and morally wrong. He asked the court for leniency, though, explaining how his client was remorseful and had no criminal history. Andrew told the victim he was sorry for what he did and hoped that she could forgive him. He also expressed sorrow for the pain that he had caused his family. 
60 days in jail with work release, 24 months of probation and ordered to be on the sex offender registry is the thing for that. Don't Uh, text underaged people. I would never. Right. Uh, Literally like, uh, and I'm not any, any type of that person, but I would not even. Nope. Like if, if, if ever, you know, kitty corner to my house, there is a kid that has come over and, you know, visited with us before. His name is Kason. Uh, great kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, if ever I have sent a message to him, always looped in someone else yep. in the conversation. Because you know 100%. what? It's inappropriate to just do yep. it one-on-one anyway, I think. Yep. Even if you're just like, hey, how's your day, pal? It's different if it's your kid. Right, right. But anyone else, always someone loop in, or I think it's always inappropriate. I don't think that it is ever appropriate for an adult person to text an underage person if you are not related to them. Sure, sure. Always, I mean, there's, with, there's without exception to me. Sure, sure. And you know, there's there's um, people who will like ask my kids to babysit, and sure. they'll they'll um, have me on the group you know, on the, on the text, which is awesome. But there's like one where I'm like, you know, it's okay. She's babysat for you for like four years. Yep. I'm okay with the mom reaching out to my daughter, you know, but, um, that's like, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever. And I would, and I would tell you, man, better safe than absolutely husband gets gets the phone and husband Mm -hmm. does something nefarious and she thinks that it's her. And then that's disappeared. You don't have that. If you have multiple people speaking into those. I agree. I, I do agree with that. I literally, like I said, there's, there's one, one person that I've said, sure, go ahead. You know? And honestly, that was born out of circumstance. Cause I was, I was out of the country and she needed to ask my daughter if she could babysit. And I'm like, yeah, we're like 12 hours apart in time. So go ahead and just shoot her a text. And, uh, but that's my but own that, personal, that... you know, well, and she spoke to you about it anyway. Exactly. So I think that that's, that's, a, exactly. that's a thing. Yep. It's a, yeah, exactly. And, um, but yeah, no, it, it protects you as the adult. It protects us as the adult because they can never come back and say, well, so-and-so said this and yep. I deleted the text, you know, or whatever. It's like, well, you know, because false accusations, they're not common, but they still happen, you know? Sure. And so you would never want to be falsely accused of anything. Right. It just protects you from it. Uh, mm-hmm. We got to go quick. We got two more stories. We're Are they happy? We're going to end on a funny note. What? Are they happy? Well, uh, no, one of them is just whatever. One of them is Utah being Utah and the other one is happy. Okay, cool. Uh, Davis School District. Davis is a county north of Salt Lake County. So it's uh, probably more uh, members of the church than Salt Lake County, but not quite Utah County for those that wouldn't be from here. Um, They have recently had a run of people saying that book shouldn't be in our libraries. Take that book out. And there were were a series of, I think it was 22 books originally. And then people who wanted none of that to be banned, rather to have the discussion with your kids and have not books be banned, but allow kids to live in a world where these things exist and choose to interact with them or not interact with them. They said, well, then you also have to look at the Book of Mormon you also have to look at the Bible. You also have to look at the Quran, and <laughs> because there are some violent things within that, um, they will—that is, Davis County School District—will retain the Book of Mormon, as uh, lawmakers are now going. Okay, so the way that this law was, or the way that this 
particular sensitivity uh, bill was worded. There are too many loopholes. Too many loopholes. We got to change this up. In Davis School District alone, 110 books, and you can find a link to all those books and this story in the show notes. Many of them fiction were subject to challenges. Mm -hmm. Of those, 69 were removed from all school libraries. 20 have been retained at all schools. Seven were retained at only high schools. Seven retained at high schools and junior high schools. And one was retained at elementary schools. There's still six books waiting for a decision the Utah State Legislature in uh, session right now. So likely you'll see that law completely change, but you can bet, and this is the cynic in me, yep. but you can bet that religious books like the Book of Mormon, the Bible, and the Quran will not be banned from schools. I however, they have to, however, they have to craft the law, yeah. and whether it should or shouldn't, I'm not making any sort of commentary about that, but... They they will they will say oh no 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 but not this but this yeah yeah it it is why Utah uh, you know with everything with same sex marriage mm -hmm. went so rapidly because right. Utah vehemently fought against it so hard <laughs> it would have taken much longer in the court system but we said no we've right. got to fight this and when anyway yeah all all of the things let's take it home with a funny story this let's do it. A funny and I thought a uh, recent story from the Church of Jesus or from uh, the Babylon Bee. But Your favorite it's, publication. It's actually a couple years old, but I don't oh, think really? we mentioned it here. So I wanted to share this story with you. I will read it in its entirety because it's short, and then we will wrap this episode out. Member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints wishes there were a shorter way to say, member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, this from Provo, Utah. After an exhausting conversation with some friends about his church, local member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Liddell Ballard, wished there were a shorter way members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints could say they were members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Latter-day Christians, thought Liddell, as he corralled his children into the minivan so they could get to a Chick-fil-A for dinner, before the onslaught of all the other minivans. Christians in these latter days, Matkaj Colds, the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, abbreviated, while Liddell ordered a 12,000-piece chicken nugget crate, his one wife, Madeline, spelled M-A-D-D-H-E-L-E-I-Y-N-N-E, uh, suggested that they could come up with some sort of nickname inspired by ancient scriptures, such as the Bible or his religion's Book of Mormon, but no good nicknames jumped out at them. Finally, in a moment of inspired personal revelation, I swear to you, the Babylon Bee is so brilliant in the way that they write this. Finally, in a moment of inspired personal revelation, Liddell realized that he could shorten the name of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints by calling it the Church of Jesus Christ of Later Day Saints. <laughs> oh my gosh, please get somebody from the Babylon Beyond the Cultural Hall. I'll try again. I've tried Keep once. Keep trying. I will try again. Try they again. do such amazing work. We hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body. That if you're not healthy enough to listen this week, you'll be able to listen next week. And that when the time comes, you'll be able to travel home in safety. If you are not a Patreon saint, please be a Patreon saint. Can I plead with you like that? Just, just we're just a couple guys eating some nachos. Uh, maybe we're uh, you know a, a large group of people, 
because uh, I was just going to say, maybe we're just a guy and a girl eating nachos, but we don't do that in our church because nope. that's a date. We want to stay away from that. And rightfully so, whatever, whatever the scenario is, patreon.com forward slash the cultural hall. In the meantime, Chris at Alpine Lakes Travel, Rick McGee, Debbie Wanless, and Chocolate Cake Bites Podcast. We'll be saving a seat for you on the back row of the, of the cultural, the cultural hall. hall. Save me a seat, it's sure to be neat On the back row, we really gotta go On the Culture Hall Show